just having a conversation mm -hmm. and not selling the product, but to sell the meeting. I tell any SDR I talk to, that's my biggest piece of advice is don't try to get too deep into the product knowledge about how the tool works and the functions of it. Sell the meeting, get them interested enough to close the meeting because one day you will be selling the product, but that's when they willingly give you 30 minutes or an hour of their data to learn about it. Hi, I'm Mark Gagne. And I'm Chris Corcoran, and you're listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Tech Sales for Hustlers is a podcast where we catch up with Memory Blue alums and reminisce about their start in high-tech sales with us. Let's go get some, Corcoran. Gagne, you know I'm ready. Brendan Gipp, what's Hello. up, man? What's going on? Gipp, good seeing you again. Great to see you. It feels like a, a lifetime ago. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? But it was very memorable, but in a good way. Yeah. That's what tech sales will do to you. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Gipp is like kind of like, it's all good, right? Because we have this, the outplacement model. He's like one of the ones that got away. Yeah. Corcoran. I, right? <laughs> I tried to keep him there. And I think I went about the wrong way, but it's all for the better, right? Everything happens for a reason. Ex exactly. I, I live by that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's get into it. So you know how it is when you're an SDR at Memory Blue. Mm -hmm. We got SDRs at work here, and they want to know, how can I get into a closing role? Not all of them, at least half of them, 52% mm -hmm. of them. Oh, how can I get into a closing role? And you're there, and you kind of used us as a way to kind of get there, mm -hmm. right? So we don't want to talk about that because they're more interested in hearing about that from someone like you than from like old schoolers like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like Chris and myself right. or other alums. So we'll get into that. But before we get into that, let's let the folks kind of get to know you a little bit. So like break it, break down a little bit kind of who you are, where you're from, where you grew up, a little background. Yeah. So I was born in Long Beach, California. I moved up here when I was very young, maybe two, three, four years old. Biggest reason why I moved here was my parents actually uh, opened up a donut shop when I was about one years old. So I wow. spent a lot of my childhood, a uh, few years, living with my grandparents as my parents were sleeping in their van, driving an hour, trying to find a place to crash while they're opening up the donut shop. So yeah. once I was old enough, started school, I was able to move up here, played a lot of sports, like what a lot of most sales, tech sales people do. What was your favorite sport? Depends what time of life, but I'd say mm -hmm. football. At one point track, at one point basketball, right now golf, you know, it, right. it, all, it all depends. <laughs> depends whatever I'm good at at the time. Who's better at golf? I'm, I'm going to have to say me. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> ask him. All right, um, so yeah, let's keep going. So what were you like in high school? So well, let's, let's talk about, you kind of went quick, casually, parents opened up a donut shop, sleeping in the van, yeah. while they're talking about that. Yeah. I mean, these are stories that slowly come out their shell. It's not mm -hmm. something they tell me as I'm like six, seven years old and try to brag about it. It didn't mean anything to me at the time mm -hmm. until now, looking back at it, I'm telling them like, oh, I remember when we used to close at 4 p.m. because right now we close at 2. They're like, oh, we used to close at like 9 or 10 o'clock and then open the shop at 4 a.m. I'm like, did you when? She's like, well, we used to live in Vallejo. My mom said we, they used to live in Vallejo and drive to San Francisco. How once, far in the traffic is that? About 50 minutes mm -hmm. without traffic, 45 mm -hmm. minutes without traffic. Mm -hmm. And then they would open the shop at 4 in the morning, sometimes sleep in the car overnight instead of going back and forth, and then keep the shop open. Sometimes they would have to bake the donuts at night because our baker wouldn't be able to work. So just adapting to the lifestyle. And yep. it was something that they had to do because it was kind of a big risk. They came from L.A. My grandpa helped them out. We knew one person that owned a uh, my dad's friend had a donut shop, so they just kind of want to follow the footsteps. And the, the norm of Cambodians owning donut shops is pretty normal, like any other stereotypical mm -hmm. Asian work culture force. Yeah. Uh, but my auntie actually had a donut shop in San Francisco at the time, and my other auntie had a donut shop in Alameda, which is East Bay. And we they all actually all eventually lived in the same house for a few years at one point. So 
three families, one house, three donut shops with kids. So there was about 11 of us sleeping in one house. Where's the house? In Westboro, which is right by San Francisco Airport. Okay. And just your sibling, right? What do you got? Your brother? I got one brother, yeah. One brother? Younger brother. So your parents kind of like, so when did you kind of know your parents had, in my mind, badass? To be honest, not maybe till I was like middle school, eighth grade, when I was deciding what high school to go to. And, you know, there's two high schools in my city, and it was either South San Francisco High School or El Camino High School. And and then you have to get district transfers and do all this stuff. And I don't want to say everything on air, but there's a lot of strings that could be pulled out of private schools versus this school or going to this school or playing this sport and who you want to go to. And just knowing like all the people we knew, mayor, city council, board directors and stuff like that. I was like, oh, wow, they're actually pretty damn good. Yeah. And then you you said this earlier, the donut shop still still thing, Mm -hmm. right? Very much so. And you spent some time there? Every weekend I'm in town, I'm working there at least six days, six to seven hours on the weekends. Yeah. One of those days, or sometimes both of those days would start at, I would have to be there by 345. I live about 30 minutes away. So I'm up at three o'clock at least once a week, twice a week sometimes. (laughs) But yeah, it's things that I'm not forced to do, like to say forced to do, but things I I feel like I owe my parents for, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not like I get a paycheck for doing it. It's for all the sports i got to play it's for all the college tuitions and you know rent free and meals yep. that, that were cooked i think that's just the way i was raised and i'm not saying that's like the right way to be raised but that's just the way i was raised and i'm gonna do it in, until the doors are closed which they, they, doesn't we, seem like anytime soon and they don't close very often so right? i was just telling you yep. right like ever since the doors opened back in 97 it has never closed on any holiday new year's thanksgiving christmas it's never closed so that actually spent Fourth of July, 25 years in a row. 25 years in a row. I would spend <laughs> most of my Christmases in Los Angeles with my family and not with my parents. Or we would have to switch off. Like this year, my parent, my mom went to L.A. a week before Christmas to spend it with the family. Me and my brother drove down for a week during Christmas and FaceTime my parents to say hey, Merry Christmas. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of sacrifices. A lot of family vacations we weren't able to go on or go together on. Mm-hmm. But luckily we had other family members who know how to run a donut shop. They would help out or fly down or that are retired that could yeah. help us out now but other than that we only have two workers at our donut shop that aren't my family one person named mona she works monday to friday and our baker who's actually a really hard worker too he works seven days a week and he's like 62 years old oh wow yeah so other than that is my me my brother my mom they still down for three days for the listeners yeah. what's the name of the donut shop and where can they find it <laughs> it's a royal pin donuts in south san francisco royal pin donuts in south there's a drive through too which is the cool part. I know East Coast, you guys have Dunkin' Donuts and drive and stuff, but over here, it's pretty rare. No. So I got to ask, do you like eating donuts? Uh, I do. Every, every <laughs> shift, if I'm selling it or making it, I'm, I'm having at least two or three. Okay. okay. <laughs> I love it. Love it. That's great. Yeah. But they closed for three days. Yeah. Right? So the question is, when you close something that's been open for 25 years, what do you do? We went to Las Vegas. <laughs> we went to Las Vegas. <laughs> we had fun. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Doing it right. All right. Before we get, we'll get, come back to you again, growing up a little bit, but you got to just share it with, with us. So how does that work ethic translate into what you're doing now as a tech sales professional? 
Yeah. Or, I, even I, when you started, sorry. No, I, I think whether I liked it or not, I kind of knew I was going to be in business or in sales, mm -hmm. uh, which is when I was applying to college, I put business management just to be the broadest of everything. And ever since I was tall enough to reach the registers, I, I was talking to people and I wasn't talking to people my age. I was talking to adults who would come in and bring their kids and buy donuts for either their work or for themselves or families at home and just building some sort of customer relationship. And people see me grow up. People say, wow, I remember when you were like five years old or four years old and look at you now. So I was always speaking a little bit to the older crowd. I think that helped me mature a little bit, right? Absolutely. And then I actually never told you how I got hired at Memory Blues. This might be the first time you're hearing it. But right when I graduated in May, one of my buddies from, from San Jose State, Colby, I think, mm -hmm. and, and some other folks here. Mm -hmm. I always messed uh, up his last name. Some other folks here actually mentioned like, oh, yeah, I work at a company called Memory Blue. We're San Jose right down the street from me. I'm like, sure. Why not work at a place where I, I know familiar faces with? Because... I've had an internship at Aerotech and other companies before. Yep, it was nerve-wracking going into a position not knowing anyone. So I was like, sure, let's do it. So I came into the interview. Dan Yorkie interviewed me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, so, like, what do you know about an SDR? I was like, I don't know anything about an SDR. I have no idea what an SDR is. You didn't learn that in college. I don't know if they teach that What's right now in college. What's your major in college? Business management. Business management, okay. And so, yeah, I learned about other things. I didn't know what an SDR was. So once I found out, I was like, sure, like, I, I got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else I would do. Do I want to be an entrepreneur like my parents? So I want to, I'm not going to do accounting because I'm terrible at numbers. So I was like, oh, I'm going to start here. And yeah, that's my journey of how I got to Memory Blue. What did you think you were signing up for? I don't know. I knew it was a little bit of cold calling, but I didn't really know, like, no one really knew what company you're cold calling for, mm -hmm. the tech industry, what about tech industries. The first company I worked for was dealing with multi-factor authentication. I didn't oh, wow. really know what that was at the time. Who um, was it? You remember the show card? So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, everything kind of built on and on and, and I would do it again, blindly, if I could. What was it like then? So you got going, how did you learn how to do it? This question I ask on interviews when I interview other people, yes, and okay. I, I live by this and I, I think about this every day, is do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of, everyone has a nature of both. Yep. But for myself, I am definitely hate to lose type of person. Mm -hmm. And if I'm in a pack, I want to be the first one up. I want to be number one. And Austin Kroll, which is a former memory blue member, yep. was with me here. So it was just me and him just pushing works. and works yep. at Canary with me now. Yeah. Yep. We would push each other, right? Like we were on different clients and we were always trying to be better than one another. And it, it made me better and hopefully made him better too. But I also didn't want to kind of categorize myself as one of the new hires, right? I took somebody that was started a month or two before me and wanted to be better than them and be better than the other person and eventually be number one in the company at one point. And I did that once. You did? I did that you, once, yeah. Yeah, dude, that's huge. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you went to Costa Rica. Costa Rica, right? yeah. That was, <laughs> that was a blast. That was a blast. That was our first one, our first tops trip. Yeah. But so let's get back. All right, so you started. Who will you learn from in the office? Like, who was a big dog when you rolled in? Yeah. I feel like a lot of them were pretty senior vets. I know Omar and Colby took some time with me. Wenry was one of them. Oh, was referring me. He was in the same fraternity as me, too. Dropping... Man, we need to tap back into that fraternity. Yeah. Yeah, what fraternity is it? Sigma Nu. Sigma Nu. Sigma Nu. San Jose State. Yeah. San Jose State. You there were an officer or anything in that thing? Uh, I was like a sports commissioner. Uh, That's all I really wanted to do. But uh, yeah, there were other folks here. Oh, Morgan Blem. Yeah. Uh, she was she was a big help here for me. And and then as we went along, there was people. We started the, the trainee program or the trainer the mentor program. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that taught me a lot from learning from people who came from different industries. There was people like Nick Jones, who was a PE oh, teacher for, right. Nick Jones. for six years and, and came over here. And there was Kevin, too, and all these people. Who were just, yeah. 
Yep. And then you mentioned Christian Carrillo. Like, yep. even though I might have started after them, I still had a lot to learn from them. So yeah. it's a big collaboration. And of course, Joe and Dan taking time and spending time off the books, working with them, listening to calls, reviewing it was really important to learning how to cold call. And I think it's really important too, because like everyone can learn how to cold call, but learning how to cold call for your specific client. And at the time where I'm working at now, Canary, they didn't have SD. It was just the two co-founders. So it wasn't just cold calling. It wasn't like some of the clients now they're like, here's a script, follow the script. We want you to do It's like, Hey, here's what we think the script is like. Can you kind of figure it out for us and kind of work with us to help make the script? Yeah. So I think that that's what made it a little bit more fun too. And gave me a little more flexibility to think outside the box instead of just following a piece of paper the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So let me back up real quick. So you're San Jose State. What you made? You mentioned business management. Mm-hmm. What did you think you were gonna do when you came out? Did you have any idea? You kind of said it, but like, did you know? Mm. Like, did you know about tech sales as an industry? Because I'm always fascinated with people who kind of grow up around here, or, or is it not? Because that wasn't like your window either, right? Yeah, it wasn't, and I I knew what tech sales was. I just didn't know how to get there. And yeah, and, and it's not. I mean, maybe four years ago, there wasn't a lot of research of like, yeah, this is like a YouTube video of how to start here and get there. Yeah, and I always had the opportunity to be like an entrepreneur. I don't mm, know if yep. I wanted my own own my own business, but seeing how hard my parents work, I saw like how many hours it takes to get there. I was like, I'm gonna just help them out on that and kind of do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always thought I might have been doing recruiting at one point because of the internship in Aerotech. I saw like so, I, that's, and I remember this. You did Aerotech kind of early, mm-hmm. right? And then what did you think of that? Was it just not your cup of tea or was it your, you get it kind of early yeah. in college, right? I, I liked it. I think maybe if I did it in a different industry. So at Aerotech, my team specifically, you know, recruited for like warehouse workers and HVAC uh-huh. workers, drivers, mm-hmm. et cetera. Light industrial. Light industrial. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then there were other parts where they're like hiring for engineers and salespeople and more of the tech industry, which I didn't really dip my toes in. So maybe yeah. that's why I wasn't too familiar with it. So I knew I gave recruiting a chance and I had a chance to go back. They, they wanted me to come back. Yeah. Um, Weston and all the guys cool. I used to know. Of course. And then I was like, you know, I tried this. Why don't I try something else? And then yeah. after six months or so, I can kind of decide, like, I had six months there. I had six months here. Which one do I like better? And yeah. You also waited tables, though. I did. Right? I was a server at Black Angus, too. Yeah. And what would you learn from that? Just customer, customer experience. Yeah, you kind of knew yeah, that stuff just, just, working on a donut shop. Yeah. It was nothing new, but it was more so just to help pay the bills and yep. Buy alcohol in college. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sigma do there you go. Yeah. So all right. So you're at memory blue, you're doing your thing. What was your what did you get good at? Like what was your superpower? What was your what do we call it, Chris? Your signature move. Your dream shake. Your dream shake. At, at memory blue? Yeah, because you had never done the SGR job before. I mean you yeah. were an intern in Aerotech, but that was a little while ago. It's different. Yeah. So you look you you got you working all those people, you got some some older guys from your fraternity, not that much older, and you're like, okay, I want to be a top performer. Like what was it that you did well? I think I was able to pivot pretty well. A lot of people think that because there's a script and you make a script, you gotta stick by it the whole time. Mm-hmm. But one thing I I learned early on is every person you talk to is different, whether it's their mm-hmm. title, where they're from, their gender, how old they are. And everyone no one likes to be sold to, but people like to buy. So I would just have a conversation. I would be able to pivot and kind of have a script, memorize it, but also be able to kind of shift back and forth depending on how the conversation goes. And then one thing I also learned too early on was like, you can't close every person you call. You just got to accept that. But as as a person who hates to lose, (laughs) it was hard for me to accept that, right? So exactly. Um, And there were some people I would hang on to, like people who always want to reschedule, 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 Mm -hmm. and just having the personality type to, to understand like, it's not always a sales call, it's just a conversation. And you're not selling the product. 
Oh, say that again. Yeah, you, you talk fast. I like it. Say that last part again. Just having a conversation mm -hmm. and not selling the product, but to sell the meeting. I tell any SDR I talk to, that's my biggest piece of advice is don't try to get too deep into the product knowledge about how the tool works and the functions of it. Sell the meeting, get them interested enough to close the meeting because one day you will be selling the product, but that's when they willingly give you 30 minutes or an hour of their data to learn about it. But on um, SDR calls and cold calls, sell the meeting. So being able to pivot, that has to be experience gained from the donut shop, from serving tables, because yeah. every customer is different and you got to be able to kind of read the room. For sure. So you're essentially reading the conversation and sure. pivoting. Wow. Let's go back into the hate to lose thing. Mm -hmm. Why do you hate to lose so much? I think there's this, I call it mom, everyone calls it a mamba mentality, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. And young cats. Yeah. West, West Coast. Not, not yes, 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 West Coast. <laughs> what did we call it? No, that's just that they all like Kobe. Yeah, yeah, little yeah. Kobe. What would you call it if, if there was no, no, a... No, no, he and I are from a different generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, no, we're, we're Jordan. We like it. We're Jordan. We like it. We, okay. We, yeah. we like it. We just like it. The mama mentality. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Kobe, RIP is a baller. He just wasn't, you know. Yeah. But yeah. in my mind, yeah, in my mind, you know, as, as a salesperson, as an athlete, mm -hmm. as a competitor, mm -hmm. you, you do everything you can. You practice, practice, practice so that when you play a game, you're there to win. And that, some might say that's the reason why you love to win. But in my opinion, if you practice hard enough and you do, if you work hard enough and you end up losing, it just hurts that much more. Mm -hmm. You know, you're expected to win in every situation if you prepare and you think you're that good. But if you're short of the goal, if you're not first, you're last. That's my mentality. Mm -hmm. If you're second, <laughs> you're the first loser. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah. So All right. Okay. So you were here. Who else was good in the office besides yourself? Well, who's your competition, at least in, in California, if you can remember? Yeah. I mean, <coughs> off the top of my head, I don't know if yeah. because I talked to these guys or because yeah. they were role models at the time, but yeah. Omar and Colby. Mm -hmm. Omar, Colby. Yeah, those yeah. guys had it down. They, they both got converted by Power Bites. Mm -hmm. Those are yeah. a golden generation. Sigma News, we let them all. They were in Sigma News. I don't want oh, to clarify they were. that. No, they Who were in they? an ATO. Oh, my bad. At one point, they were at rival fraternities, but I was very close to joining them at one point. You were? Yeah, when I was rushing. Okay. Yeah. All right, so those guys probably not others. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you're here doing your thing. And were you on Canary full time? So I was actually on Canary half time because yep. the other one was show card. And then that was going on for like four or five months. And then I was maybe on Canary full time maybe for like only a month or two. Yeah. And did you when you were here, were you attracted to any certain type of technology or you know, was it in I think I was attracted to Canary a little bit more. It was, it was kind of a blessing that Austin did so well that they wanted yeah, to hire another halftime. That's right. But running through the numbers and going through the daily, what do you call it again? DHR. DHR, yeah, yeah. Daily, yeah. Huddle, daily report. huddle report. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always found that my numbers or me and Austin's numbers were a little bit higher. And partially, I like to think it's because we were doing well. But I also was really interested in the hospitality technology side because you're not calling directors of ITs for a security network mm -hmm. where they don't have a their number saved. You're calling into hotels where they have to answer your call because they get calls from people you don't know. Yeah, yeah. So the conversations you're getting, the, the meetings that you're trying to set are more likely because they have to answer the phone. Mm -hmm. So I think that's and then comparing to, you know, some other folks who had companies that were doing, you know, cameras for certain parts of the body. I don't know if you remember some of those. Yeah. It was much harder, like AI, robotics, construction companies. I didn't see them being able to talk to people as much. So I really enjoyed having conversations every day. I can guarantee if I made 20 phone calls or 10 phone calls, I will talk to somebody. Yeah. Compared to others who go $100 a day and not, not talk to anybody. Except yeah. Leave them a voicemail. Yeah. So 
this one actually attracted me the most. When you figured out that you're good, because you got good at it pretty quick. I think you hit he hit his number like every eight of the nine months or eight of the eight months. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, there you go. I don't even remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> so did you realize oh I kind of found a career for myself? Did like tech sales is what I want to do, or like or I'm here, this is perfect. Or did you have other doubts about it at any point? Or are you more thinking about something else? No, once I felt comfortable doing what I was doing, and once I had that reassurance from Dan and Joe and other folks and seeing myself try to slowly climb on the leaderboard, I knew this was something that I could be successful in. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to spend a little bit more time seeing it as something that I love doing. Because being successful at one thing and loving what you're doing can always go opposite directions sometimes. But so far, loving it. Excellent. Excellent. You still talk to any of those guys you worked with when you were here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I golf with Colby once in a while. Yeah, Christian Carrillo, I yeah. had dinner with for the New Year's. Nice. Austin, I still work with. So that's right. Yeah, Robert. Right. Yeah. And the Anton, you didn't even know each other worked here. Yeah, that's and then a year or two after he left, actually. That's crazy. So our peeps at Canary recognize the greatness of you and Austin. They're like, "Hey, come on board, right?" Is yeah. that kind of how did that go down? Yeah, I want to say it was maybe January, closer to February. We went through the numbers and they were hiring more people. And they yeah. said they want us full-time as the first ever full-time SDRs at Canary. So, yeah. And then that time, you want to tell your side of the story? Yeah, well, we just we were slow moving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were crushing it. Well, listen, like the business model is orchestrated to have people go work yeah. for the client. If that's what they want to do, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know if Omar and Colby left before you. They left right and, before me. But yeah. We were like, man, all these guys are really great. We got to keep them with the company longer. Mm-hmm. And I just, we didn't move as quickly as we wanted. So we tried to get you to stick around as a DM, but it's quite clear that you picked the right calling and you're going to be a great manager winning if you like really want to full time manage people. So yeah, so we were like, hey, let's just try and get, get to stay. And we made an offer, right? And you, yeah. you, it's all good, yeah. right? You end up going to work for those guys, which is amazing because you went in there and what we were in SCR for a little while longer. Mm-hmm. And I, in much respect to Canary for recognize, for Harmon for recognizing the talent that you and Austin got. Because you guys, how many years have you been there? 2019 is when I got there full time. So about three, almost four years now. That's not as common. No. We don't see that a lot. So that means that you pick the right client you guys go work for. Yeah. Brandon, for the listeners, when most listeners are hearing Canary, they think of a perfect, what, what does the technology do? Like, what are you selling? Who do you sell oh, yeah. to? Yeah. So just to kind of pivot two different routes yep. of Canary, we started off our business model or they started off the business model as uh, <laughs> hotel technology, where typically if a company wants to pay for somebody else's room or their worker's room to stay at a hotel, hotels will actually email a PDF or send a fax of a paper where the company will then write in credit card numbers and email or send it back. So Canary digitizes that to make sure it's secure, runs through fraud detection, because there's a lot of fraud in the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. And then once the pandemic hit, kind of there was a lot going on, less business travel, less corporate travel. So we had to pivot. And one of my customers I was just talking to, they're like, oh yeah, we send everybody this link when they check in because we don't want them to stop by the front desk. So a light bulb went off and we're like, let's make contactless checking. Let's do this. Because we thought about it in the past, but there was no reason to. So at that time, engineering team full sprint ahead um, a, a month or two maybe even less later we had like the first model of our contactless check-in method uh, mm-hmm. and we had a pool of customers that use us for the first mm-hmm. tool so we said hey please try this out let us know how you like it and fast forward two years later we have contactless check-in where you can provide your credit card id registration form from your cell phone before you even get to the hotel you can text the hotel if you have any requests you can buy things on your cell phone from the hotel 
And then you can even let the hotel know, I'm, I plan on checking out at like 9 a.m. or I want to pay $20 to check out late at 2 o'clock without having to stop by the front desk. Mm -hmm. So we're just utilizing technology to have a little bit less of the human interaction, at least giving the people the option to that rather not the human interaction because COVID, right? And so you work directly for the co-founders. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Yeah. So even at Memory Blue, Harmon and SJ, it was just themselves. And shortly, a few months before bringing on Memory Blue, they were <coughs> knocking on doors and walking into hotels with forms, trying to talk to people. And then they brought Memory Blue on. My colleague, Austin, now colleague, um, was doing so well. We They brought me on as well. So it was a team of four plus Dan, five. So let's mm -hmm, say and we're, mm -hmm. we're trying to dissect every call, kind of learn the industry. We weren't prefer, we weren't partners with any of the major brands at this point. Like every call we had, no one really knew who we were. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure that out and then getting hired full-time and working with Harmon and a DJ who's the VP of sales in office, collaborating with them instead of just one call a week, it really changed everything. And there wasn't a Salesforce for Canary at that time. We were just working off Excel sheets and Google Docs. Once we got there full-time is when we started to kind of figure out the flow of Salesforce and having a dialer didn't have to list build anymore, which was phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> so getting that real-time feedback and learning from someone like that, having a one-on-one -on -one with them one or two times a week versus now where the company has grown six times, having one-on-ones and more like once a month really made me cherish those moments and going to lunches, walking around the block, just getting fresh air versus now when we're all working from home and even still hard to find time to talk to somebody, but it was great learning kind of you have an interview you you interview with people right for a job and they interview everybody to this day even with 60 something plus people at the company they even interview sdrs every sdr that comes in they're being interviewed by co-founders and you have 30 minutes to kind of get to know the co-founder really hone into their beliefs and what they want to do with you and where they want to take you and i had a good year year and a half to do that and just learning backing them up of their morals their beliefs and where they want to take the company and how they really treat people so I learned a lot about them before uh, I was able to be quite them. valuable. That's yeah. great. And so who do you sell to? Are you selling to like individual hotels or are you going after Marriott, Hilton, these huge for all their properties? Are you looking to join an industry with unlimited professional opportunity? It has never been a better time than right now to start a lucrative career in high tech sales. Memory Blue has launched hundreds of careers for accomplished high-tech sales professionals from our offices coast to coast, and right now, we're in hiring mode. Working with us will accelerate your professional growth and place you on a path to success early in your sales career. You'll get world-class training through the Memory Blue Academy program and sharpen those skills with ongoing mentorship and coaching from our seasoned sales leaders. Memory Blue is an expansion mode, and we have immediate openings in all of our offices. We have been named one of the fastest growing private companies in the U.S. by Inc. Magazine for eight straight years. Our award-winning culture has been recognized by third-party industry groups as the best in the business as we routinely add unbelievable benefits and rewards for our team. To learn more and apply to any of our openings, visit memoryblue.com careers today. Yeah, I learned a lot about the hotel industry and there's independent properties mm -hmm. where they have no franchise tag to them, which I do sell to. And then... We also do have like the Hilton's, Marriott's, Holiday Inn's and Quality Inn's where some of them are brand associated, where they're owned by their brand and some are owned by other companies too. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different levels to it, but you know, I'm on the mid-market level where I'm not selling to an entire brand, but I am selling to hotels within the brand that we already have relationships with. Sure. And who do you sell to? 
it depends, right? If there's like a management company that owns, let's say 10, 20 hotels, it can be from director of operations, CTOs, CFOs, because, you know, there's credit card information involved. So accounting controllers. Mm. And then if it's just a regular small little La Quinta, I can just sell to the general manager and sometimes the owner too, because a lot of this is a uh, family owned businesses too. Wow. And so you went there as an SDR and then how long were you an SDR with them before you started moving into so I was an SDR here at Memory Blue with Canary for about six months. And then I was with them again, full-time Canary SDR for another six months. I got transitioned into an inside sales role. So I was cold calling, setting meetings for myself, and then do the demos myself and closing myself. Okay. And how much does this stuff cost? Like if I'm finding a hotel and, I, oh, and oh. you call me up and I'm like, I think you meant me. I was like, how much do I cost? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, how much, a lot. A lot. Yeah, what's the average sale price for ballpark? Yeah. I mean, to this day in 2022 now, it could be anywhere between $99 a month to four or $500 a month. Okay. It depends on the size of the property, which tools we have so many now. It's it's really helped me in terms of driving revenue yeah. on my profile because we offer all these different products compared to the one or two that we had before the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. And so you, did you have a territory at all? Or is it Greenfield? Just whatever. It was just green. There was just not a lot of us. And there's yeah. millions and millions of hotels where <laughs> yeah. it's hard to kind of divide who gets what territory. So at one point, it was little, I would have 10 demos a day back to back to back to back. Not all of them show up, right? There's, yeah. there's a lot of no-shows, but wherever we can, however we can, we were just doing it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So do you remember your first deal? I do. We got to hear the story. Yeah. I have two first deals. Okay. <laughs> so one, one, my first deal technically, <laughs> my first one technically, uh, my cousin and his family own a hotel in Las Vegas. So, that oh, was like okay. so I don't count that as my first deal, right? <laughs> but my actual first deal, I was still an SDR. Oh, I wow. was at a conference called High Here Tech. Here or there? At Canary. Okay. Um, yeah. I was at a conference in High Tech in Minneapolis and we were SDR. So we're just pitching the product. Mm -hmm. I was talking to the director of operations for, I think it's called the Satai. I think four property in Florida and I'm talking to him, trying to pitch him a demo in the next meeting. And I was able to try to show a demo myself because I've seen it, heard it enough. So I did it at a conference and then I'm on vacation. I had an email from him. I said, Hey, send me the contract. I said, oh shit. <laughs> so I, I ran back to my hotel and put the contract together. I asked my, I asked DJ, like, how do I put this together? So he sent me a template. I filled in all the stuff, sent it back and it came in. Wow. And it, I wasn't even supposed to sell at that point, right? Like yeah. I didn't have a quote or anything for it. So yeah. it was just fun to see a deal come in when I wasn't supposed to. What did DJ say? I, I, I don't remember actually. What's next? Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, and then two months later, that's when I, that's when I started getting trained to close. Okay. <laughs> what were the skills? So we'll take a pause real fast. So if you're talking to people who are memory blue SCRs right now, yeah. what are some of the skills that they need to kind of work on? as an SGR that will help them in their closing work. There's so many, but I think because every the, SGR says like, I'm ready to do it now. Yeah. I'm ready to do it. I'm like, dude, you don't do it for three months. Yeah. You're not ready. Yeah. I'm, I know everything. I'm in six months. I know everything I need to know. I thought I was ready too, right? Like cold calling for six months and going there full time. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like I've heard this demo millions of times. I'm ready to do it. And once I actually did my first, I did like, okay, show me how ready you are. So I did one and we do like a rating, like one to five scale or one to 10 scale. And I, I basically failed pretty bad. And I was like, oh, you're just saying that because you don't want to see me succeed. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we actually went through all the bullet points of selling. And I was like, wow, there's a lot into selling that I had no idea. The psychology behind of selling is amazing. But as an SDR looking to become an AE, I think one of the biggest things is listening, right? Okay. And it's hard to practice listening 
as an SDR because you're constantly trying to find time to fill in those awkward gaps, right? There's that the two second rule that's really hard to apply. Everyone does it the first week and always forgets it because they want to fill in and talk, 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 talk. But just listening to the prospect and what they say, how they say it, and instead of just hearing it, but really listening and responding and pivoting, right, is really important. So that way you can't get shut down too quickly, right? You know what words that they want to hear and you know how to say it, but I think active listening is really important. That's excellent. Anything else? I think that's all I can think of right now. And when you transition into this closing role, what were the new muscles you had to build or work on? I think it was... Uh, I kind of let it set a couple, but we'll keep going. Yeah. There was a lot that changed throughout your day-to-day basis. You're used to calling and following a script the entire time. Now you're kind of doing the same thing, but the script is much longer. And there's much more different directions that the call can go to, uh, especially since you're going through the entire product and not selling the meeting. So also trying to balance the lifestyle of cold calling and closing the deals was something that I had to adjust to as well. Lifestyle. The lifestyle of of generating the the leads and then closing the work. Exactly. I think an SDR and AE role is very similar to where you have a script, you learn it, you get really good at it, you can answer questions, but just on a bigger scale and a much longer scale. And there's all this separate admin work of having all your meetings in, your opportunities, creating contracts, going through legal, but now you just have the person's time of day. So not a lot of changes. I think just maturing yourself and having that conversation with yourself, knowing that it's not a dial every day. You don't have a hundred demos a day. You don't make a hundred cold calls. You have two, sometimes three or more calls a day where you have that much time to do the demo. And it's that one time you get, sometimes you don't get a second try. No, yeah. no. And what about the highs and lows? How do you manage those? What advice do you have? Yeah, the highs are great. I think AE, or for an SDR becoming AE, yeah. even for an SDR, ride the highs and, and don't get complacent. A lot of companies that they have uncapped commissions, and it's really easy where you're at 120 130% to say, all right, I'm good. There's a week left. I'm just going to relax this week and not do anything. But really, that's where the money's made that last week because there's accelerators and things like that. Mm-hmm. What about the lows? The lows. There's been lows. Let me tell you that. The lows, you just got to understand. And I think for anything, you just have to identify why was this month a low? Being quickly be able to identify. And I remember one of the months that I didn't quote, I was really hard on myself. I was asking myself why. And as an AE, pipeline is really, really important. Same with list building, right? Like you have reschedules for the next month that you can call and, and book meetings with. But as an AE, really your quota isn't attained on that month. Your quota is attained the month before. Mm-hmm. Having all the pipeline in there ready to close because deals don't always take one day, two days. Some deals take two, three months and asking yourself what you need to do. And if you need more demos and more meetings, you have to be able to communicate that to your SDR, to your manager, how to get there in marketing. So identifying the problem, what it is. And then at some points, our demos are constantly changing because we're coming out with different products. So knowing that you're not the best AE, you might be the first AE there, one of the, one of the first ones to slow around. But knowing that you can still get help from other people is, mm-hmm. is really important. As good as I think I am or as I want to be, just taking a step back, realizing like, wow, I'm not always going to be the best here. For example, we have a new product called the Upsells that we started a month, two, three months ago. And another guy ended up selling more than I did. So I was like, okay, send me your calls. I would love to hear your calls. And he did. This morning, literally sent me some calls and I haven't had time to listen to them today. But identifying that it's not always you too. You can always improve. But taking order from other people that could be started six months ago. It's fine too. So we talked about your big, your first deal. Mm-hmm. We also talked about how you hate losing. What's, is there a deal that you, that 
lost that just haunts you? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's one that comes you to take mind. a swig of water. Well, no. If people hate to lose, there'll be one that haunts them. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and there's probably one other one or two other ones that I can probably <laughs> think of if I take time. But off the bat, um, you want me to go into detail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that. it was, I think, October. It's not social media. It's not all the highs, right? You want to <laughs> yeah. hear about the I think it was October. It was an inbound client that came in for one out of five tools that we have. So I pushed on that one. They really liked it getting into approval process. Oh, can you please demo the owner and GM? So I was like, sure, of course, he's the decision maker. I'll do that. And then the owner, the GM's on the call and I, he's like, yeah, this is great. I love this tool, but what do these other tools do? And I end up selling them on all five. I'm like, I love it. This is great. And then he noticed there's like a little hidden uh, Easter egg in our demo account. It's called the Statler Hotel, which people who go to Cornell for school of business or for hospitality mm-hmm. know, because Harmon went there. So he kind of put that in there. So yeah. he identified that he's like, the GM was like, oh, did somebody go to Cornell that works there? We're like, yeah, actually one of our co-founders did. And we ended up kind of talking back and forth. So I, I messaged Harmon as I'm on the call. I was like, hey, I need you to hop on and like give this guy a free month or just tell him this discount's coming from you, not from me, because it would mean so much more. So Harmon gets on and he's like, yeah, this taco truck and this place, this bar is now this. And just talking, he's like, yeah, man, John, if you could sign by the end of the month, I want to give like extend a Cornell discount to you to give you the first month free and we'll waive the set of fees for you. Just help Brandon get to get past his end of the month goal. So he's like, you got it. Send me the agreement. And then a week goes by end of the month, nothing. I'm like, dude, what's going on? And now at this point, there's like four people involved. He's the decision maker. And then another week goes by nothing. I'm kind of wondering like, Hey, this guy ghost me. Is he all kind of just talk, you know, right. just all high ho Canario about Cornell <laughs> and stuff. Like, so then he's I said Canario. Yeah. Canario, no yeah. And I'm sending emails to like the other people trying to get and calling them and reaching out to them. And finally someone's like, we ended up using somebody else. That first product that they were sold on, we ended up using somebody else. I was like, oh, interesting. That's fine. That's one of our cheaper ones. How about the other ones? I, I want the big money, yeah, right? Yeah. So, and he said, it's too expensive. Not right now. And then I'm going back to myself saying, like, what could I have done? Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was a me thing. I don't know if it's a him thing. Or maybe I just set my standards too high, thinking that the deal was going to close because he was a Cornell graduate. But... I haven't closed lost him yet. <laughs> it's, it's only been two, three months. I, I still got time. Did you say, do you think you missed the, like if you had, if he had not brought up that Cornell thing, which we had like asked questions that might've revealed things that would have not. Are you saying like, if I could go back with what I do? Well, yeah, I'm saying, do you think, had you not gone down the path of like the Cornell rah-rah, would it have been possible? Maybe you would have found out things you normally would find out because sometimes stuff like that comes up. You yeah. Plan that. Yeah. But I, I wonder what, what, like, what do you regret? Or just the fact that it got away or do you really think you did something? I think, so if I could go back and change one thing, and, yeah. and this could be even a few deals because we don't win all of them. The fact that they were 100% and the whole entire team was sold on one product, start off with that one product, build that, mm-hmm. put that product and Canary's name into the hotel, into their system. So they see it every day. They trust it. They know it works really well. Oh, and then slowly expand on each tool after that. Land and expand. Land and expand. Land and expand. Yeah. It's something that I'm, I'm adjusting to because yeah. we, we had one product and now we have five more. Yeah. So I just got to be able to kind of you know catch the bait before you catch the big shark. Yeah. 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 Wow. Good. So you've got all these buddies in the game and you've been at Canary for a while. What's kept you there in the sense that, let me back up. Why do you think people move around so much? In this industry? Yeah. Especially out here. Why haven't you? I think it was the growth opportunity that a lot of people promise. Everyone says, oh, you'll be promoted within six months or a year. And some people do. A lot of people don't. 
and people want to find that place that's going to guarantee that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it goes both ways. Like one, a company shouldn't promise that if they can't do it, but two, the, probably the reason why you weren't promoted in six months or a year is because you didn't work your butt hard enough to get to that point. If they know you're good enough, there's no reason why they wouldn't, unless there's some internal issue. But Interesting. the biggest reason why I think I stayed is, is because I was told not that I would be promoted with X amount of months. I was told if I'm able to achieve X, Y, Z, I would be promoted, right? Yeah. Like there was a path to how to get there. It wasn't just, you're going to get it no matter what. They don't tell everybody that. Yeah. And then continuously having one-on-ones with your managers, whether it's at Memory Blue or at the company you're at is constantly talking about where you want to get to, nice what you want to do. Yeah. Because, you know, at this point, DJ, for example, even said, I know you wanted to be an SDR manager at one point. Yeah. Now that you know how to sell, is that something that you might want to do in the future is to manage a team of AEs? Is mm -hmm. Or do you want to do enterprise sales? And we just have these conversations, right? Like, yeah. it's important to whether it's purposeful or not. It keeps me on my toes thinking about my day-to-day, -day, like, hmm, what makes me happy? Mm -hmm. And at that point, I think that's why I was very close to staying here as a DM is because I told Dan and I talked to Dan and Joe so many times, like, I love coaching. I, I love yeah. helping them, helping Will out and helping all the people that were after me. And like spending that time to see people succeed is really fun. It is really fun. But now in a closing rule, I'm like, man, this is so much fun. <laughs> do I want to close $2 million next year? Or do I want to watch a team close half a million dollars because I, I helped them get to that point? You know, so yeah, that's the biggest reason why I'm staying is because there's opportunity. There's real opportunity. There's not just an opportunity that's on a piece of paper. Yeah. It just seems especially here, it's hard to keep your eye on the prize because mm -hmm. companies raise money and they'll come running to you with a higher base yeah. for promises of, for sure. of of gold and riches. But a lot of people aren't able to ignore it. Yeah. And fulfill it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to, yeah. Yeah. So I look and I see on LinkedIn, people who bounce around. There's no fault of their own sometimes, but you've been able to kind of ignore those things, which is good. Same with Anton. Stay with Hard to ignore, but it is hard to ignore. Yeah. So what advice would you have for yourself like the night before you started at Memory Blue? Wow. I remember that night. I couldn't sleep. I was so excited. <laughs> you know, I was like, had my clothes laid out, which I haven't done since that first day. <laughs> I think just go into it with an open mind. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Go with the open book and just be a sponge. Mm -hmm. I think that's for just any company, but specifically yeah. Memory Blue. This was technically Memory Blue was the first company I had like a really start date with, like a higher date because I've only been here in Canary. But just be a sponge and take in all the information. And then your first few weeks in, you know, you're training and learning from other people. They tell you, do this, don't do this. And then your manager's like, do this, don't do this. It's not much of what not to do. It's what to do. Take the good from everybody mm -hmm. and then ignore the bad. It's mm -hmm. hard to acknowledge what's good and bad because you're learning so, so new. But just take everything with a grain of salt. And when people are looking... So when you're an SDR, so the way Memory Blue works now is you're doing the same thing. You get hired by your client. Mm -hmm. You can stick around and go into a closing role. You go into delivery. You can go work on an academy team because we fly mm -hmm. everybody now to Virginia and they can do training oh, there. It's not during COVID for three days. Or they can go work on a direct hire business. Mm -hmm. But then also we have a more refined. We had it when you were here, but it's more mature now, rising stars. So we outplace them. Oh, yeah. In California, it's at 12 months. We outplace you. If you're an SDR and you're a good SDR, for whatever reason, you have been hired by your client, for whatever reason, you, you don't want to stick around, what should they be looking for in their next gig, if assuming they want to get to a closing role. Yeah. Like what's um, the most important, what are like the two or three most important things? For it to, to go from an SDR into yeah, a Yeah, so role. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Brandon Gipp. I have, I'm out interviewing, I'm interviewing at 
five to nine different places mm-hmm. and everyone sounds kind of good let's say half of them sound really good yeah like what should they be looking at what should be important to them to try and get i, I think the biggest thing when interviewing and at multiple companies and trying to figure out the direction you're going to is who your direct boss or manager would be mm-hmm. i think it's it's important to not just get along with them but also kind of look at their work history like you should also look at someone's LinkedIn and their resume before you get interviewed by them because you're going to be learning from them. Mm-hmm. And my boss, DJ, he's young and I've learned so much from him. I think he's the reason why I'm, I'm able to hit all my numbers and get to where I am at this young of an age because him and I have a very adaptive lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I think that goes two ways too. If you don't find somebody that if out of, let's say, five people you're interviewing, you don't like any of the managers, maybe it's a youth thing. Maybe you need to loosen up and kind of just be a sponge and be open and be the person that's easy to talk to and give and receive feedback the same way. But I think your direct manager will and can play a huge part in your success. And that trumps uh, most things in your mind. And that's interesting. I used to ask people what's more important. The money will manager. come. Yeah. yeah. The money will yeah. come. The money will always yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what is the future kind of, so you talk about it. Where do you think you may want to go? Like five years from now, what do you think you'll be doing? Five years from now, I, I think I do want to be, yeah, yeah, I want to be running my own sales team. Yeah. I want to be able to kind of spread my knowledge and, and be able to tap into different industries too. Mm-hmm. As much as I love Canary, I don't think I'm going to be there for an entire lifetime. That'd be great. Yeah. But I don't want to kind of be stuck in this one place where I only know how to do hotel tech sales. I mean, if, if it makes me good money, it keeps me throughout my life. Sure. Sure. But I also do want to be able to master different crafts and different industries, but yeah. Maybe a startup and building a sales team from scratch. That'd be fun. What do you do to stay sharp? Mm, I don't know. It's just, just doing your gig. You like, you read stuff, you listen to stuff. Or you're too busy closing work. I'm not a reader. <clears throat> I, I actually, I actually, I want to be. A lot of people yeah. talk about books and things they read. I did read Sandler's training, which is a great okay. book to read. Which one? No, just, I think it was like the basic okay. Sandler's training. The bicycle one? Or yeah, the bicycle one. Yeah, yeah. a lot of the memory principles are based off of... Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I can right. tell. Yeah, yeah. I don't listen to enough podcasts. I did at one point. I honestly don't know. I think just paying attention to people who succeed. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what it sounds like. You ask that guy for his calls. Yeah. You're going to break it down. Yeah. yeah. That's what you do. Stay sharp. Yeah. That's a great answer. It's funny. A lot of times people are looking for answers. The, the questions in like far off places mm-hmm. when the questions are really right in front of them. Yeah. I don't know if any of this in the podcast to go get the calls from the guy who just fucking yeah. number one guy. You just, you just, month, right? you just gotta suck it up. You, you gotta admit that you're not always gonna be the best. Sometimes you will be because the numbers show, but if you can't kind of suck up your pride and say, Hey, I would love to listen to your call because I think you're doing great. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Yeah. I say Brandon had to practice that in the mirror before yeah. I <laughs> So instead I just slacked him. <laughs> <laughs> so instead like, fuck it, I'm just gonna send him a text. Yeah. It's interesting because sometimes it's easier for people to go listen to something or rather than just suck it up and do it mm-hmm. right which is we've had people who work here they've read a thousand books but they can't like apply can you just do your job right four for four mm-hmm. it's interesting so what else man what else what else? give us some more tips and tricks here's the full-blown hustler i think one thing to be a successful sdr is to understand that there's a script to start with but get away from that script as much as quickly as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way you talk, the way you cold call is going to be completely different from the person who's sitting right next to you. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. easy to hear everyone's calls because you're in a cubicle and you're sitting behind and around somebody 360 and to take in their information, hear what they do and want to spit it out the same way they did. 
but a they're on a different client they have a different pitch they have a different everything and you're also a completely different person we're here memory blue and any company you go to is here to train sdrs not robots if mm -hmm. they wanted to play a machine to say the exact words and they could but just find your own way of doing it mm -hmm. and i think it's okay for people to understand that your script will change as you become better but let that script marinate and get really good at it before you change it, before you have to pivot to change anything. Because some people are given like a day or two or a week or two saying they don't see any success in it. But then sometimes by week three or four is really when you get there. So really give it time to marinate and get to that point before you call it quits and try something new. How do we get more people like Brandon Gipp in the tech sales? <laughs> Go to Black Angus and see who's surfing that day. Yeah. <laughs> or Sigma Nu. For, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people out there. They just haven't, they don't know enough about tech sales. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if I knew about tech sales, maybe I wouldn't have be here. I have no idea, right? I think if somebody here is cold calling a hundred or 50 to a hundred dollars a day, they're like, oh, we don't want to be that annoying salesperson that gets hung up on all the time. But I think trying to pitch a better, a different image of what an SDR is to be yeah. able to be here is really important. Mm -hmm. And also just doing podcasts like this, mm -hmm. right? Like having people who are interested in being an SDR learn about where it can take you, where you want to be or you're curious about because this is truly a stepping stone that people need to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I, mean, San Jose, San Jose. I don't think you guys have done career fairs there, have you? At least not when I was here. No. Me too. That's all cheating. I mean, the power yeah. of referrals is amazing. Yeah, for yeah, sure. You especially that from the industry, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, we'd love to get we, at the San Jose State. The, most of the folks who work here have been strong. I mean, not even, not even state colleges. I think community college, city colleges are mm -hmm. a great place for people who are, you know, risk takers. Yeah. Willing to take that leap of faith into themselves and do something like that. We take chances on folks that software companies typically won't, no matter the size, because mm -hmm. they're really scared. That's why Canary worked with us in the beginning, right? Yeah. Like they, they kind of didn't know what they're doing. Time, they're not going to be able to hire somebody right out of San Jose State and put them on the phones. Maybe now, yeah. not when you were there. But we just got to figure out a way to tap into it. Plus, it's good to get people who can hustle and then you get some diversity yeah. in the sales game. I mean, the reason why I came here was because of Omar, Kobe, and those guys mm -hmm. I went to school with. And then they're the reason why I came here. And then Christian Carrillo is one of the reasons I think why he came here. Mm -hmm. And then I referred Luis Martinez, who's actually in the office now, three years oh, later. That's right. To do yeah. it so just because of hiring colby winry and yeah. you ended up getting like a little chain network flow yeah and if you guys had hated it here and not seen any value you would have recommended everyone to come yeah. right i think the power of referrals is really important have a referral sprint yeah mm -hmm. one hour a day for one day for that week whoever gets the most referrals or people who take a call with the recruiter gets a promise yeah sometimes you don't even listen to podcasts and read books it's just <laughs> full of ideas <laughs> what else man it's quite valuable. Yeah. Well, you hit the nail on the head on everything. Yeah. What else? I mean, give me some things to talk about. I mean, I think people want to know how you got to where you got and you've explained it. And I think your superpowers, you've just, you stuck with it and just losing wasn't really ever going to be an option for you. Like I always knew you were going to be successful whether you left or whether you stayed, but he was going to make it work one way or another. I think one other piece of advice I usually tell folks who like ask them like, oh, why do you think you got to where you are at an age or so quickly? I think it's um, setting goals. This is something I do well in my work life, not enough in my personal life, but mm -hmm. setting goals, whether it's like a yearly goal, monthly goal, daily goal. And it all starts with your daily goal, whether it's making that 75 hours a day, 
mm-hmm. right? Because if you make $75 a day, you'll be able to book three meetings or five meetings a week. Mm-hmm. If you can book five meetings a week, you'll be able to occur 10 meetings a month, right? Mm-hmm. If you occur 10 meetings a month, you're hitting quota and making money. Mm-hmm. If you hit quota 12 months, you get hired out. If you get hired out, you do the same process over and over, then you become, it, it's, it all starts at some place and it's gotta be on a daily goal. What'd you learn that? Trial and error. Trial and error, yeah. daily, week, monthly. Yeah, it's good. More people need to think that way. Well, you could, how you spend your days is how you spend your life, right? So you got to focus on the day, mm-hmm. the urgency of now. Sometimes it works backwards. If your goal is to get a house by the time you're 25 or 30, what do you have to do? You have to make this amount, right? You have mm-hmm. to do this every month. You have to mm-hmm. do this every day. It, it goes back and forth. Well, I would encourage anyone listening to hit this guy up on LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. If you're looking to tap into somebody's uh, power, you, you got some good game. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, definitely, Brandon. This is very, this is very awesome. fun. Lots of fun. Very fun. We'll be looking forward to tracking your rise. And let us know if we can ever do anything for you. <laughs> Likewise. I mean, I'm happy to come back. And if anyone wants to add me on LinkedIn or come to the donut shop, Royal Pin Donuts. All right. Royal Pin Donuts, yeah. South San Francisco. Yes. Yes. Very good. That's it. That's All right. Up. Thanks, Brandon. All right. Thank you. Taking an individual's raw potential and turning them into a thriving sales professional takes the right training. That's where Memory Blue Academy comes in. Memory Blue Academy teaches participants the fundamentals of sales development and all aspects of a lead generation role, regardless of the level of professional experience or background. The course kicks off with a two-day intensive boot camp session, followed by a six-week ongoing educational program. This is the program every single Memory Blue SDR undergoes at the onset of their tenure. The curriculum covers a wide range of topics, including list building, objection handling, effective sales emails, and more. Participants will be shown how to successfully execute a diverse set of sales activities in a very short time, experiencing tangible and lasting skill growth. To learn more and sign up for a seat in an upcoming session, head to memoryblue.com academy. for listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review after the beep.